It's the Legal Toolkit with Jared Correa. With guest Chad Sands, a round of the game of life, musical guest The Jury Pool, and for you quitters out there, we continue our ongoing spotlight on alternative careers. This episode, Pigeon Racing. Welcome back, y'all. It's the Legal Toolkit Podcast. My name is Jared Korea, and because Gene Rayburn was unavailable, I'm your host. I'm the CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, a business management consulting service for attorneys. Find us online at www.redcavelegal.com. I'm the COO of Gideon Software, Inc. We build chatbots so law firms can convert more leads. You can find out more about Gideon at www.gideon.legal. Before we get rolling, I'd like to take a moment to thank my mom for listening to every episode. Hi, Mom. I'd also like to thank our sponsors. They're the reason you're listening to the show right now. We would like to thank Alert Communications for sponsoring this podcast. If any law firm is looking for call, intake, or retainer services available 24-7, 365, just call 866-827-5568. Scorpion is the leading provider of marketing solutions for the legal industry. With nearly 20 years of experience serving attorneys, Scorpion can help grow your practice. Learn more at scorpionlegal.com. TimeSolve is the number one web-based time and billing software for lawyers. Providing solutions since 1999, TimeSolve provides the most comprehensive billing features for law firms big and small. www.timesolve.com. Clio's cloud-based practice management software makes it easy to manage your law firm from intake to invoice. Try it for free at clio.com. That's C-L-I-O. Dot com. I'm not a cat. Everybody's seen the video. My kids loved it. The lawyer who has a cat filter on his video on Zoom and can't turn it off, and he's in a court hearing. The darting eyes, the confusion, the mouth syncing up with speech. It is one of the more brilliant, unintentional comedy pieces I've seen in a long time. And the internet's reaction is, hey, that's all of us. Who doesn't have pandemic fatigue? Who doesn't have Zoom fatigue? Who hasn't had video conferencing issues? It's just superb fodder for the current mood, right? Everybody loves the I'm not a cat lawyer. But I would say that as a lawyer, it's pretty embarrassing to be a cat on a video that you can't turn off. And there's also a real lawyer behind the cat filter. So Stu's name is Rod Ponton, I think it's pronounced. He's out of Texas. And I saw an interview with this guy, and he said, I always wanted to be known as being a good lawyer and not the cat lawyer. So people always ask me, like, why do you spend so much time talking to lawyers about legal technology issues? Well, this is why, everybody. This is Exhibit A. And now I'm going to have to talk about cat filters for the next three months of my life. But here's the deal. Like, this thing is totally preventable if you just understand the settings of the software you're using. So this should really be table stakes, right? And that's not a high bar, uh, pun intended, by the way. And if you look at the way that ethics rules have changed, the way the state laws have changed, this is directly in line with what a lawyer's modern view of professional competence should be. By the definition that was added uh, a while back to comment eight in rule 1.1 of the rules of professional conduct, this is not competent lawyering. 
because the lawyer in this case is not using tech appropriately, not using it in a reasonably secure way. More on that in a second. Now, nobody's ever going to get disbarred for this type of thing or sanctioned for that matter, because the bar overseers generally don't understand technology either, right? But I do think it's dangerous to suggest, as the judge in this case did, that lawyers are trying really hard during the pandemic, and that's a good thing. I'd look at it from another perspective, is that if lawyers don't understand these technology issues, one day it's a cat filter, the other day maybe someone's exposing a highly sensitive email because they're sharing the wrong screen on Zoom. So sorry to be a buzzkill, but there's a lot of data security issues in place here. For one thing, if you look at the video, it's clear and in further investigation has been made even more clear that the attorney was using his assistant's computer. And it's likely that the assistant's daughter put that cat filter on the Zoom account. So that's likely violations of lots of stuff, right? Ethics rules, state laws. Again, nobody's going to be prosecuted for this. I'm not suggesting that anybody's going to be prosecuted for this. But look, it's 2021. Everybody's working from home. You shouldn't be using other people's computers. You shouldn't be allowing other people's kids to change the settings on your computer. My computer at home, I've got a fingerprint touchpad that you have to use to get into the computer. Why? Because I don't want my kids messing with the shit I have on my computer. Again, this should be table stakes stuff. And attorneys still aren't acting like it's that important. So while I would never wish for a world in which there was no, I'm a cat lawyer, I think it's emblematic of the fact that attorneys need to get their shit together in terms of data security and tech usage. I think it's well past time. Even if legal institutions are never going to penalize any attorneys for it, I think that attorneys should start to look at this in a more aggressive way as best practices within a modern law firm. Either that or this is just a cat world takeover that we all missed. Next up, we're going to talk to Chad Sands about unusual legal marketing and how he's basically the Forrest Gump of 1990s Hollywood. You won't want to miss it. Did you know that firms using electronic payments collect an average of $15,179 more per lawyer and see 6% more revenue growth? Simply put, law firms using electronic payments, on average, bring in higher case volumes and more revenue. For more insights to help turbocharge your law firm, check out Clio's Legal Trends Report a compilation of industry insights. Go to Clio.com to download your free copy today. Imagine billing day being the happiest day of the month instead of the day you dread. Nobody went to law school because they love drafting invoices for clients. At TimeSolve, our attorneys save on average over eight hours a month in billing work. That means more billable time and turning billing day into happy day. Learn more about how to get to your time and billing happy place at TimeSolve.com. That's www.timesolvleaveofftheye.com. Remember, that's timesolv.com. Okay, it's time to get to the dolphin in the middle of this subway tuna melt. Let's interview our guest. My guest today is Chad Sands, who is the Vice President of Marketing at Tracers. Tracers provides cloud-based investigative research software for the legal profession. Chad, welcome to the show. How are you? I am great. It's good to be with you, Jared. I've always wanted to say that, by the way. It's good to be with you. <laughs> it's like, it seems like they always say it on NPR, and I don't do a lot of podcasts, so I just, I, want, I really wanted to use that. Check that off the bucket list. Yes. Um, turning this into this American life. Right. 
So let's talk about legal stuff. That's part one. Stay tuned for part two. We're going to talk about the fun stuff. So, Chad, you've been in legal tech for a while. You want to run down your background a little bit? Yeah, I started at uh, my case, and that was my, uh, I kind of went from, from real estate marketing into, uh, into legal tech. And so I did content at my case for a couple years. And the director of marketing at my case had moved on to eventually Smokeball, Sarah mm-hmm. Botorf. Yep. And, uh, and so she hired me at Smokeball. And I was at Smokeball for about two and a half years. Did content, digital ads, and then, you know, marketing operations. Kind of did a whole bunch of stuff at Smokeball for a couple years. And now I am at Tracers. I started at Tracers last year. And so mm-hmm. while Tracers isn't exclusively legal, um, right. it's a big focus for us. But yeah, so now I've been at Tracers almost a year. So coming up on like half a decade in legal tech. You like the Swiss Army knife of legal tech marketing. Well, let me ask you, how did you move from like real estate marketing to legal tech marketing? Was that like due to the relationship between my case and Appfolio? Or was it just like something no, you to try? No, I, uh, I was doing real estate marketing for like Sotheby's International Realty here in Santa Barbara. So oh, like yeah. I got to make like nice glossy magazine ads for like $20 million homes. <laughs> and uh, I got, you know, I love working with the agents, but I realized that I was going to be just making newspaper ads for like a long time. <laughs> and you were like the newspaper business, yes, not yeah. heading in the right direction. Right. And I had done, I worked uh, in affiliate marketing for a little bit. And oh, so, yeah. and I, I kind of wanted to get into tech and software because uh, yeah. I, you know, I was interested and, yep. um, and then I just had a chance to go to my case and uh, that's how I landed there. So this one thing I thought you did that was really cool at Smokeball, and we're going to talk about like how legal tech companies market, how you can yeah. crib from that playbook in your solo or small firm, like the Callista Flockhart campaign. Yes. I thought that was totally different from what any other legal tech company was doing or is doing. So that was your thing, right? You came up yeah, with that. Well, I mean, I, I'm going to give I, you credit for it, even if right, you didn't. I'll take so it. I'll take it. It. Um, <laughs> it was totally different. And I think it will be, it's like, I don't think it'll ever be done again, to be quite honest. Probably not. So how'd you, how'd you guys come up with that? And the whole thing was like Callista Flockhart, for people who haven't seen it, pretending she invented Smokeball. Maybe she did. I don't know. Yeah. And it was just a really funny commercial that you put together. Long form was, commercial, essentially. Yeah, it was, um, it was basically like a three-minute long form, and then we did 30 seconds and you know six-second bumpers out of it. But this Australian copywriter and production company came up with the concept, and we all loved it, the whole take on this celebrity kind of endorsing a product and then going too far the day of the shoot, <laughs> uh, and then like claiming that she invented the software, and there's this back right. and forth with a director. And, you know, it took a while to get together, but, like, she signed the contract and, you know, Jane Oxley and Hunter Steele came out to L.A. And, I'm you know, I'm on the West Coast with right. also Christian Beck and we shot it in L.A. over one day. And um, we premiered it at the ABA Tech Show, right? So we had it at the booth. Yeah. And um, honestly, it was, uh, it was really interesting for me because I went to USC Film School and I had worked on the production side of a lot of stuff like commercials or features. Yep. And it was just weird for me to be on the client side kind of, like especially the day right. of the shoot. Right. Because like I'm kind of like <laughs> Were you like, you're my... doing this wrong. <laughs> yes, yes. I was like, 
why is like why is the director interrupting Callisto so loud? You know what I mean? And like I'm pacing in the back, but like also know that if I say anything, no one's gonna care because I'm just right, right. Plot. You're like the key grip is screwing everything yes. up. Somebody <laughs> yes. take care of that. <laughs> exactly. Or like uh, I was talking with like the assistant camera guys, and I was like, "You guys are using a zoom lens, huh?" And like I'm like I like primes, and he's like a features guy, right? Um, which is uh, which was just funny, but it was uh, that's awesome. It was a great campaign. We loved it. And then, um, you know, we, we tried to, to get it out there on social, but uh, we spent a lot of money making it, so we didn't have a lot of money to promote it. But ultimately, right. Uh, right. I thought it was hilarious that it, how it came together. I loved it. I thought it was really cool. So that's like an example of doing something a little bit different in terms yes. of legal tech marketing, like way different than what people usually do. But your thesis, which I kind of share, is that, Legal tech marketing has been done the same way by everybody yes. for a long time. So yes. can you walk people through how that gets done? Like how does the sausage get made and why yeah. do these companies, they don't change it up? Like why is it always the same? Yeah. Well, I mean, so you got to do review sites, right? Like, yep. you know, Captera, G2 Crowd, uh, <laughs> Trustpilot. Yes. Um, so we got to get uh, in a feeding frenzy to get all of our favorite, uh, you know, customers or slash users to leave us a review site, you know, mm -hmm. review. And then, you, you know, they're not only paying for the clicks and the traffic from the review sites, but they're paying for like other content that those review sites create. So there's like thousands of dollars right there, just like into the review bucket. Right. And then obviously like PPC, which is, it's like, you know, sharks in the water in terms of pay-per-click and Google ads. Like Oh, especially in terms of like keywords for legal tech, right? Those cost yes. fortune. Yeah, like like legal practice management software. I mean, if you want right. to be like totally vicious to some of these software companies, just Google that and click on the pay, you know the ranking one <laughs> ad because it's like they'll just blow through their budget in like a couple just, days. Just keep clicking on. Yes, it for like just keep two just hours. keep clicking because it's it's you know sixty <laughs> it's sixty to one hundred and twenty dollars a click for some of those keywords on on yeah. to be number one. Mm. Um, and you got all of these software companies like outbidding each other or trying to yep. to get uh, on the top of page one. So we got reviews, we got yeah. PPC. What yeah. else do you see in terms of like common practices? Well, there's, uh, you know, obviously social media. I think lawyers are, are kind of into social media, consume social. So they're all trying yeah. to to be active on social. You know, you have a lot of content sharing, a lot of eBooks, a lot of podcasts. Right. And, uh, right. You know, there's the display retargeting banners. So once you visit their site, you're going to see how great their product is and how much more you could bill on every other website you go around. And then there's, uh, you know, the partners, like the the short list of, uh, of legal tech, you know, blogs out there that, that also kind of foster some reviews and... Right. Uh, right. And help amplify the content. So there's, it's a small ecosystem, but everyone's, you know, trying to get to the top of it. It's tough to crack. Oh, it totally is. So before we talk about like maybe doing things in a little bit more innovative way, like that laundry list of marketing tactics that you just laid out for us, like how could solo and small firm attorneys take advantage of some of that? Because they're not going to have the budget of right. like a large marketing company? Like what should they focus on? What should they avoid? What are your thoughts there? Well, um, 
you know, set aside a, a big budget celebrity endorsement campaign, you know, and I'll try and come up with a blog post you guys can include in the show notes where I can dive into some of these uh, with more detail, but like a top five things uh, you can do for marketing your law firm in 2021. One thing, obviously, I think is is having not just a good website, but a great website. Yes. And a great website yes. is... Uh, optimized for SEO. It's uh, the images are sized for web and aren't just the huge high res file you downloaded from Unsplash that takes ten seconds to load. Um, <laughs> that you your site is structured. That it has a site map, an HTML site map, and an XML site map. That you have internal links. That you have backlinks from other websites. So, and that you have a lot of pages and that you keep updating those pages. And if you don't update your your product pages, quote unquote, then you then you should be having a blog and pushing out content through your blog and those sites are updated and that you know work with someone who, who an SEO who can set up you know not only Google Analytics but Google Search Console and Bing Webmasters and so you can kind of monitor and track you know your impressions and your clicks so i think right. having a great website is is kind of a must and that if you're going to do anything focus on that cuz that's your you know face to the digital world right um you know and i think we've talked about video obviously that historically maybe law firms have have run you know and the the 30 second commercial on their local broadcast uh for their city that they can get you know but there's other options out there. There's companies like Choosel, and I think Genius Monkey is another one. These programmatic advertising companies that can get you into streaming TV and connected TVs. Oh, yeah. uh, and you can actually have your 30-second commercial run during Chopped or Meet the Press. And that these are you know more modern consumers who have cut the cable and are watching streaming television. And that that's a new channel, so to speak, that a lot of firms aren't aren't using and maybe don't even realize is out there, but it's a great way to get your your polished 30-second commercial uh, into new audiences. You know, we've talked about social, you know, again, and video with social, I think, is is more opportunity there, you know. I think Chris Fowler is an ESPN commentator, and he does these great things, like, called the the Saturday Recap, and yeah. he sips tequila, and he just shares his <laughs> thoughts on, on the games of the day. Um, and, you know, do your version of that, but for your law firm or just topics right. in general. Right. I think uh, in, in LA, there's a public radio station, KCRW, and uh, there's a, a show every Monday. The show's called Press Play with Madeline Brand. And every Monday she has uh, her legal eagle, you know, come and, and commentate with hot topics on law. So, you know, don't you don't even need to start your own podcast or, you know, get on somebody else's podcast because I think there's a lot of podcasts out there and not every lawyer should necessarily create their own. But I think those are, those are a couple of ideas. I'll, I'll simmer and, and come up with a couple more and I'll give you guys a, a top five blog post you can, you can include in the show notes. Yeah, I personally, I feel like for those, I think that if I'm a lawyer, I'm probably spending time on the content side of it. Right. And being active on social and having like a really unique voice and then I'm farming out the SEO. Yeah. I mean, let's be real. You're not going to learn SEO in a day. <laughs> like the vast majority of lawyers, I they, they couldn't even tell you what SEO stands for. All right. Now, that's a perfect segue because I want to talk about uniqueness in a little bit. The uniqueness, Chad Sands, of your own life. Will you stick around <laughs> and talk to us? Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. So thanks so much. That's Chad Sands of Tracers. Now, Chad is coming back as well as our musical guest. That's going to be the jury pool. 
So stick around in our next segment for that. As the largest legal-only call center in the U.S., Alert Communications helps law firms and legal marketing agencies with new client intake. Alert captures and responds to all leads 24-7, 365 as an extension of your firm in both Spanish and English. Alert uses proven intake methods, customizing responses as needed, which earns the trust of clients and improves client retention. To find out how Alert can help your law office, call 866-827-5568 or visit alertcommunications.com slash LTN. Now more than ever, an effective marketing strategy is one of the most important things your law firm can have, and Scorpion can help. With nearly 20 years of experience serving the legal industry, Scorpion has proven methods to help you get the high-value cases you deserve. Join thousands of attorneys across the country who have turned to Scorpion for effective marketing and technology solutions. For a better way to grow your practice, visit scorpionlegal.com. Welcome to the rear end of the legal toolkit, the rump roast. It's a grab bag of short-form topics of my choosing. As I mentioned before, we're going to play a little game today called The Game of Life. That's right. I'm not going to torture Chad with impossible to answer trivia questions. I'll save that for my next guest. And the reason for that is because Chad's a really interesting dude, and we're going to find out why. So, Chad, would you be offended if I said that you were not necessarily world famous yourself, but famous adjacent? I I, th- I would not be offended at all. Okay. I think I okay. I uh, I like famous adjacent. It's like Beverly okay. Hills adjacent. I feel like I just made that up. I think that's a compliment, actually. Okay, okay. I, I meant was... it as a compliment. Okay, yeah. So you talked about the work you've done in legal tech marketing, but you're also a producer and the creative director of your own company, which is Jumper Away. Can you talk right. to people a little bit about that? Well, Jumper Away is yeah my my uh, creative agency shingle that does. Uh, you know, freelance work, going back to my days in Los Angeles, and now a lot of interactive and website stuff. As I, I mentioned, I, I graduated from USC Film School, so mm-hmm. I, I lived the dream in LA for about eight years <laughs> and did a whole bunch of different stuff down there. Well, so let's talk about USC Film School for a little bit. So yes. you, you you did stuff like you worked on the Terry Tate office linebacker. I did. Skit, I right? did work on Yeah, that's right. It was definitely like... Uh, back in the birth of kind of branded content marketing. And Rawson Thurber was the director. He went on to make like Dodgeball and a whole bunch of other movies. Oh, that's I love Dodgeball. But Terry Tate, I was a PA on Terry Tate. It's still like voted one of the best Super Bowl commercials in in history. Uh, It wasn't made to be a Super Bowl commercial. Like Reebok, I think, just loved it so much and, and turned it into one. But like, for example, like I PA'd, it was like a two week shoot. And, like, I had to pick up the guy who played Terry Tate as his, like, apartment <laughs> in, like, North Hollywood or, like, towards the valley. And, like, he would, like, eat, like, 12 eggs for breakfast and, like, a whole roasted chicken himself during lunch. And He was so, like The Rock before there was The yes, Rock. Yes, yes, And, like, those hits, you know, like, were a real hit. Like, he was really hitting these actors and, like... Really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. That makes no. it even better. <laughs> yes, yes. He's just, like, destroying people on set? Oh, yeah. Like, they were, like people were worried sometimes. Like, there was, like, a, <laughs> a silence fell over after they were, like, cut because they weren't even sure if, like, the stunt person was going to be okay. <laughs> like, I think uh, Alan broke his femur. Yes. We need some help here. <laughs> yeah, yes. And you also worked for Doug Lyman. So can you talk about who that is and then how you also 
were hanging out in the bathroom with Ryan Gosling. Maybe I should right. phrase that differently. Go yes. Ahead. I mean, uh, so that was actually my first job out of school. And after I came back to LA uh, for after a couple months, and I was basically the receptionist for for Doug Lyman and Dave Bardis's production company called Hypnotic. So they had done hmm. like the OC was one of their big hit TV show, and obviously Doug oh, Lyman yeah. did Swingers and The Born Identity. Yeah. Um, and so like I got to like roll calls, and uh, you know Brad Pitt calls in and wants to talk to to Doug, and I'm like, one moment, please. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> And, um, and yeah, the Ryan Gosling was just awkward because I like, I go to the bathroom. Is he weird or was it just weird that you guys were in the bathroom at the No, same time? we didn't even talk because, uh, he was like there to, for a meeting to meet Doug, uh, and Dave. And so like, I go to the bathroom and he, he's in the bathroom, I think before the meeting basically. Yeah. And so I kind of see him and it's like, oh, it's Ryan Gosling. And you know, we're, we're at the urinals. Uh, <laughs> And then, like, so, but after the meeting, like, I had to go to the bathroom again. I was drinking too much Diet Coke or something, uh, and that he's in the bathroom. And then, so, I walk in the bathroom, and now it's just weird because I feel like he thinks I'm chasing him into right. the bathroom. <laughs> and, then, and then, are you guys thinking, like, which one of us is incontinent? Right. Is it yes. both of us? <laughs> yes. So, like, I love that story uh, because... <laughs> It's just so awkward, and sh I'm ashamed of it. But uh, that is you know, that is really can, funny. What can you do? So I once shared a bathroom with George Bush, former president of the United States. And what happened? What happened? But did you do it twice in the same day? Like just once, a, but there was okay. like Secret Service, so I don't know how I got oh. into the bathroom. Like <laughs> right. he was the commencement <laughs> right. speaker for my college graduation. I'm just like waltzing into the bathroom, and I'm like, ah, oh, that's weird. There's a lot of cops here, or whatever. And you I could, go to the urinal, I turn to my left, and it's George Bush. So. It's, it, you could have been like John Malkovich in like that Clint Eastwood yeah. movie with like yeah. a plastic gun. So, so of course I was like, "How's it hanging, Mr. President?" So, <laughs> right. I'm a stupid college kid, but he right. was a super nice guy, actually. Like I've always liked George Bush. After that, a little low and to the left. <laughs> well, probably the to the right. The for classic. Him, if we're being serious, <laughs> okay. Ah, uh, I mean that's too good. That's too I know. Good right I know. There. I just laid I it out there you for did. me. I see what you did there. <laughs> I want to get into your music stuff, but um, you also wrote a screenplay, right? Or a script adaption that did. was optioned for a Jack Nicholson movie. That's right. I mean, see, like, that's why I like you, like, famous adjacent, right? Yeah. Yeah. I told people there was going to be good stuff here. I wasn't yeah. lying. And I actually, I, I don't really talk about all of this stuff too much. I do feel like a douchebag, but uh, there are, you know, I do have some interesting stories that, you know, and I do feel like I've been almost famous a handful of times, <laughs> but I did. I read this book, Henderson, the Rain King in mm -hmm. college, and I loved it when I read it. And then a couple years later, I was, uh, I was working for Doug Lyman and I, you know, I kind of focused on screenwriting at SC and... I ended up tracking down the producer, who is this producer, Andrew Bronzberg, who did this, uh, he did a lot of movies, but one of his more famous ones was Being There with yeah, Peter Sellers. Yeah, I've heard of that movie. And I kind of cold called him, and he lived in Vienna, and I convinced him that I should write this adaptation, and at that point, I didn't really know Jack Nicholson had loved the book and wanted to make it into a movie. Mm. Long story short, kind of, I, I sent Andrew Bronsberg the first 20 pages. He didn't get back to me for like three months. And then he finally said, this is great. 
like finish it. He optioned yeah. it from me. Yeah. Uh, so it was my first, you know, uh, script that was optioned. I got That's paid. Cool. Yeah. Um, he came out to LA and he stayed at like the peninsula and like, I just remember him like making phone calls because I would go meet him and he's like talking on the phone and he was like, I'm living here. I'm living at the peninsula and I'm making a movie. And it was like this older guy from Europe who like, I think this was like, because really what the truth is, is that he had been trying to make this movie since the early 80s with Jack. Oh, wow. Like yeah. from like the Postman Always Ring Twice days and yeah. like with Polanski in the early 80s. Um, and had all of these scripts done throughout the year, and it just never, like, took off. And the studios, I think, you know, it's kind of a, it's not a, a quote-unquote commercial story. It's about a wealthy guy going to Africa to find his soul. Yeah, yeah. I got to actually, um, you'll enjoy this, I got to drive in my 1989 gold Ford Tempo that nice. had s- such a bad oil leak, I would have to put a cup <laughs> underneath, like, t- while I was working during the day. Um, I got to drive right that. There. I got to drive that up Mulholland Drive and basically deliver the script to the gate at Jack's house. Oh, and that's pretty then, cool. And then we went home and bought a bottle of six dollar Andre champagne to celebrate because, <laughs> like, we're like, this is it, you know, like. Jack's I feel like I've made it. Yeah, I've made it. Like, who's not? Like, what studio would not want to make this? Like, Pulitzer Prize winning novel, Jack Nicholson, like going to Africa. Who's going to say no to it? And then, like, four weeks later, like, I read that Jack's attached to the bucket list of, you know, about this old guy finding his soul. Oh, and yes. And that, I remember that movie. That movie with was Morgan made, right? Freeman, yeah, yeah, who yeah. has like his guide, and they go yeah. to Africa, actually, ironically, in the oh, bucket man. list. Um, so there it died. And, uh, and I, Sadness. you know, that was it. It was gone. So we talked about your Hollywood career. You were also very heavily involved in music as well. So you yeah. actually were in a Seattle band as a teenager and you recorded some demos in Pearl Jam studio, right? I did. Yeah. Music was probably my first love and still Mm -hmm. kind of in many ways is my eighth grade band called Subminute Radio. We recorded, we convinced our parents to give us some money to record an EP at this studio in Tacoma, Washington. Yeah. And then, like, uh, the drummer sent our demo tape into 107.7 The End. And there's this DJ, Marco Collins, who, like, is now in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, really? This is in Washington? Yeah, this is up. He was up in Seattle. Hmm. And, um, you know, he, like, put Beck and Nirvana on the radio the first time. And that's why he's in the Rock and Roll, just because his influence of 90s rock and grunge. But the drummer sent the demo tape into Marco and... He put my phone number as the backup on this letter that he wrote with like crayon to get attention. And so Mark, one, this one night, Marco calls Ryan, but it was in the days of like, you only had a landline and there was like call waiting and you either had call waiting or you didn't. And his little sister was talking on the phone. And so then by fate, Marco calls me and like puts me on the radio and, you know, we get our, you know, first single played on the end in Seattle, the biggest radio station, one of them on the West Coast at that mm. time. And uh, I get interviewed and like, you know, That's crazy. I, made, I yeah. get to go into high school the next day. How old are you at this point? I was a sophomore. Oh, so you're like 16? 
Yeah, so 16 and like that year, like, so we went with Marco and our manager and they rented an RV and convinced our parents to let us go on this two week, like West Coast tour. And like, we played at the Viper Room and all, all of oh these my God. other, wow. uh, and That's so like we the were real like, deal. we were like 16 and like, we had like EMI publishing out and all these record labels watching our showcase shows. We played South by Southwest. Oh, wow. And like, we were supposed to be, do you, you remember Silverchair, that Australian yes. band? Yes, so, like, you were the next Silverchair. We were America's Silverchair. And once again, it how just- does, it, How do you lose with America's Silverchair? <laughs> <laughs> Jared, I've been That's thinking about deal. it for the last 25 <laughs> years of my life. But you you continued to play, though. And like... I did continue to play. I quit Sub Minute Radio when we were loading into Studio Litho, Pearl yeah. Jam Studio, for the second time because I wanted to go to junior prom. Oh, hey, and, priorities, uh, man, uh, right? So I, that's right. So, and I also knew I wanted to go to college and was, wasn't going to stay around. And so... Um, yeah. But you, I, I, but you yeah. moved on to, uh, you played in the band called Carne Asada as well. That's right. So two things I want to know about this. You've got like this alter ego. Yes. The ugly American. Yes. But then you also played something called punk rock mariachi. Yes. What even is that? Well, what do you think it is? <laughs> I don't even know. It's... I know what mariachi is. I know what punk is. But like I'm having difficulty pushing them together. <laughs> it is, it is, it's, it's a fusion of punk rock and mariachi music. Are you, are you like the only guys who ever did that? Like, I have no idea if there are other bands out there in that genre. I think, I think we were the first, but I actually do think there are others. And there was only one uh, Mexican dude. The rest of us were gringos. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and so we did, a, you know, we like played La Cucaracha and like Cieleto Lindo and a couple oh, yeah. uh, traditionals and then the other songs were just straight up punk rock like in your face oh that's funny wow um and you guys actually like you and your bandmates were in an mtv series as well yeah an animated version an animated good vibes which was a short-lived series on mtv created by brad abelson who worked on the simpsons and now i think he's working like on the uh, the minions movies oh i love um, I, can i say that i love the minions movies not to digress too far but i really no. enjoy them as a parent i think uh, they're really funny i think i should see them then because um, i <laughs> respect should. your i respect your taste dude the first minions movie was great yes. it was okay great <laughs> okay <laughs> well so yeah and then so we got forever uh he basically, Brad, who knew about the project of Carne Asada, he wrote us into uh, Good Vibes. And so we were in a couple of videos and like the main character has a Carne Asada banner and like they go to this bar and Carne Asada's playing. And so I actually, you know, I've been animated. I am a cartoon character <laughs> and I'll be that for the rest of my life. Even Brad, the guy who created the show that is no longer on the air, he can't even take that away from me. And he created he created it. And that's so amazing. I sometimes use it as like my avatar and it's like uh I, I think uh, that's awesome. Pretty funny. Can can yeah. I say though, like I watched the preview that you, you sent me a link for the preview yeah. for the, the yes. show was actually really funny. I really yeah. enjoyed it. No, like, it was legitimately yeah. so. Yeah, I don't you know, who knows why the studios, you know, turn on you. This is this is all like really educational for me. Like you're right there and then like, man, the the Hollywood types, the studio types just don't buy in. Like, I don't know. I feel like you were wronged 
Yeah, <laughs> right. For right. real. And, and, and maybe, I, and now I'm in legal tech. And so I think. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are, bringing you a <laughs> full circle. Yes. But, what, but the other thing I thought was funny is like, in this Good Vibes show, like the cast was kind of crazy. Like you had Josh Gad in there. You had like Adam Brody from the OC, yep. which you talked about before. Olivia Thirlby was in there too. Like they're famous people in the yeah, show. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, like it was supposed to be, you know, a great uh, animated series, and I think they only got one season. I want to say. Yeah, that's right. So maybe like maybe the alternative world version of this is if Good Vibes continues, if you skyrocket to fame as Carne Asada appearing on Good Vibes, like. Maybe Josh Gad is never Olaf in Frozen, and then my daughter's life is ruined. So there's there's another way to look at it as well. And that sounds horrible. Totally. Uh, or there's another alternate universe where I'm in my mansion and ready, True. you know, not in not in legal tech. True. Um, <laughs> True. But yet, but <laughs> but, but, yet, we're, but here we, we are. are in this. We are we are in this reality. <laughs> Which one of those realities doesn't have a pandemic? Anyway, right. Right. <laughs> this was great. I had a lot of fun talking about this, Chad. Seriously, amazing work. Good, good. I'm glad you enjoyed hearing about my my almost famous past. And uh, yeah, a lot of good stories. And uh, you know what? I have I still have the dream, you know, one day. I gave up, um, you know, with the hope of getting a movie made in my mid-20s and, and being in L.A. But like, I also haven't given up on the the hope of, you know, maybe I'll be 50 and get to make my movie. And then, uh, and that's the ultimate maybe you, dream. You never know, man. Maybe one of those days uh, you're in the bathroom and Ryan Gosling's like, hey, man, right. that movie was great. <laughs> right. Do I know you? Um, <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. Everybody, that's Chad Sands of Tracers, Jumper Away, and formerly of Carne Asada. My producer is now telling me that we're running out of time. So we're going to forego our discussion of Alternative Careers Pigeon Racing Edition. <laughs> we'll save that for next time. Instead, let's jump straight to our musical guest. Ladies and gentlemen, playing all over you off their 2009 album, Ulterior Motives, The Jury Pool. Is it
The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.